0: We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Women Worth Knowing. My name is Jasmine Alna, as I'm sure you know. And this week, ooh, we have a special guest. Cheryl isn't with us, but we do have, coming back again, Kathy Gilbert, one of our favorite friends of the show. And you guys might remember Kathy was with us before sharing about Elizabeth Elliot. That was a while back. Was that last year? Oh. It was last year. That was a while ago. So yeah, we needed to get her back in. We're overdue for a mm-hmm. Kathy moment here. And so <laughs> this is Kind of fun because since Cheryl was going to be gone, she said Kathy and I could share on somebody that we really love, <laughs> and so her name is Madame Guillaume or Madame Gayon. Oh, we don't know. We Anyways. Don't know. But French, very French. French. I'm going to just say that right now. I speak Spanish, not French. And so I'm going to jack up a lot of these names and pronunciations. Kath, feel free to fix it if if possible. (laughs) So uh, we're going to be looking at Madame Guyon. And this is kind of like, for me at least, the the final mystic that I wanted to talk about before we move on into like the Reformation women and others. Cheryl might want to sneak a couple more in and I'm not sure. But at least as far as I'm concerned, I figured, man, we've got to talk about Madame Guyon before we move on because she was amazing and
1: we're both big fans of her
0: we are kathy actually gave me um some great resources there's this one book especially that i will be putting up on the website don't worry so you can read it too um she's got some great resources here you can't see it but she's got a little stack of books so
1: but you'll get them on the list we'll get them on the list yes Yes. so (laughs) you won't won't miss out
0: no you won't don't worry (laughs) so uh Madame Guyon, her maiden name was Jean-Marie Bouvier-de-Moth. Bouvier-de-Moth? Something like that. B- Bouvier? <laughs> she was born April 18th, 1648, to Seigneur, which means Lord, Claude Bouvier-de-Moth, and his wife in Montargis, France. So this was a very well-to-do French family. They'd formerly been part of the aristocracy. That's why he was a Seigneur, a lord. And um, Jean's dad, when you read about her story, he sounds like a very loving father. Uh, But according to her biographer, her mom was a little bit strange. She didn't like other women just generally, and that included the way she treated her own daughter. She was cold, distant, kind of strange in that way.
1: Well, I think with this marriage, they were both married before, and they both Mm. had children from previous marriages. And so that also brought a little bit of stress into the family.
0: Yeah, there's strain from the, the blended strain. family mm-hmm. dynamic. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was the baby, I think, right? Yeah, she
1: was the baby and she was sickly. Mm-hmm. And she was, in her own words from her autobiography, she was neglected mm-hmm. and basically left to the servants to raise.
0: That's so sad. Her dad loved her, but he wasn't around very much. No. He's working and doing whatever, he's just traveling. And so, yeah, she's just kind of there. That's so sad. So because of that lack of, like, motherly care and concern, um, Claude ended up putting Jean into a convent when she was only two, which is crazy, mm. when she was two years old. And I, I guess they, you know, she was taken back home after six months, but this
1: ended up kind of becoming the pattern of mm-hmm. her childhood, mm-hmm. right? Just That's correct. In and out yep. of convents mm-hmm. and— It kind Mm -hmm. of made her a little more inward. It made her uh, turn to the Lord, Mm. which was unique. She didn't turn away from him, but she turned towards him. Became very preoccupied.
0: Yes. Yeah. With
1: the things of the spirit.
0: Yes. And and she was very intense. And I think there were, wasn't there like a like a cousin or somebody that worked at the, or that was at that convent that she kind of followed around right a little shadow. So she had good role models.
1: She did. And she had a, a paternal aunt mm. at the convent of the Ursulines. Is mm. that how you say so. that? Yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. And this paternal aunt was a nun, but she just loved Jean. Mm. And so she nurtured her and she taught her and she nurtured her in and practical things, but also things of the Spirit.
0: Yes, things of the Lord. I love that. And so yeah, she was a, a really intense, emotional little girl. And the thing was, she had that desire to serve God. But in a Catholic setting, a lot of times um, people would have more of the works-based relationship right. with God and just that sense of I need to do something to earn God's favor. And so she wanted to be really devoted to the Lord. She would like fast, even from the time she was little, she would like over fast, like yes. fast way so much so that the other nuns were like, no, that's too much. You need to eat because right. she was like.
1: She yes. was very, very intense. Yes. Very so intense. intense.
0: But she's like trying to be worthy of heaven. Yes. And, you know, she would do these things. What was that story about her like?
1: OK, so because of this deep desire for spiritual things, mm. she would read all these mystics. And mm. she just loved these mystics. And one of the mystics, there was a Francis de Sales and the Jane de Chantel and then Teresa of Avila. we talked about we've, already Yeah, we've already talked yeah. about a couple of these. But Jane de Chantel, I don't know if I'm saying that right, <laughs> had such a passion for Jesus that she would have these little sayings uh, written out live Jesus, and you know, just basically to live for Jesus. And so, in her own desperation for trying to earn her way into mm. God's favor, she would write that out, and then she sewed that to her skin under oh, her garments. Like a Piece of paper? Uh, live Jesus oh, in a piece gosh. of cloth. Way beyond intense. Yeah, that's that a was little... <laughs> little extreme. That was way extreme.
0: Yeah, and and that is something about Madame Guyon. If you read in her early years, like before she really developed a relationship with Jesus by faith she would kind of slip into some of those extreme practices that were right. a little bit like, whoa. <laughs> so Until
1: she had some deep revelations of yes. God himself. Oh, and yeah. it's, and yeah. you're going to talk about oh, those. We're gonna get, oh, we're going to get, yeah, definitely. It's, <laughs> God comes through on her Yes, behalf. he
0: will. Don't worry. She's not going to stay like this. <laughs> no. So uh, when she was 10, this was, I think, kind of a key moment as I was you know reading, studying her story. When she was 10, she had chicken pox at the convent, and they had to put her in quarantine. And so she found a Bible. Somehow there was a Bible lying there. Uh, which was kind of unusual. Most people didn't have access, you know. Well, actually this is after the Reformation, but still, you know, in the Catholic community, there wasn't necessarily a lot of access to certainly there wasn't
1: emphasis. Yeah, it, it wasn't there an wasn't emphasis. an emphasis exactly. on the word. Of God. Especially
0: for a woman or yeah. a girl. But there was a Bible lying there. So she started reading it voraciously. And this was really important because we're going to see she developed a real knowledge of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and became a love a for Scripture. Yes. She oh, loved the Word of God. Yes. So that is going to play a key role moving forward. And then when she was 12, oh, nearly 12, uh, she told her dad that she wanted to take her first Holy Communion. And he was more spiritual than his wife was. And so he was really excited about this. And so is Jean. And so she's like, yay, I'm going to take Holy Communion, and then I'll really arrive in my walk with the Lord. But she still has that works kind of mentality. And so after the initial excitement died off, she found herself just kind of struggling again. She's falling into the same old sins that she'd struggled with before. And we just see that constant roller coaster in her youth, the life of works and not of faith. And so at this point, it's around 1660, she starts drifting off into more worldly interests because she just kind of lost heart a little bit. And she was a pretty girl and she was tall for her age. So all of a sudden, as a young teenager, her mom starts taking an interest in her. Right. Conveniently. It's like, oh, I could actually get something out of this daughter. Maybe we could get a, you know, a good match. Right. A spouse for her and, and money and all of that sort of a thing. So she's looking at Jean's marriage potential, which is kind of sad.
1: And uh, she was only 12 years old at this time. Yes. which She's is, a young, young teenager. Yes, not even barely not a Barely teenager. like preteen. Yes. Yeah,
0: Exactly. But again, back then, and I think we've talked about this in previous episodes, girls could get married, you know, at 13, 14, 15. Mm -hmm. That was very common. So, you know, she was almost of age there. But like I said, she was becoming elegant. She was becoming beautiful. She had this very dynamic, witty personality. She would become the center of attention at parties. and.
1: And I got to tell you a story. Yes. Because um, her father appreciated her intelligence. She was brilliant. And so Mm. he would come Mm. and have her come and talk to the guests. And that one time there was a guest. The Queen Consort of England was a guest of the family home. And uh, she came. This is – When Jean was a young young lady, and she made such an impression on this queen Consort, that the queen consort wanted to take Jean, with her family's permission, back to England to become a maid of honor to the princess.
0: Oh, that's a big deal. And that was a big
1: deal, and that would be quite an honor for the family, Mm. but they declined. And this was an intervention from God to protect Mm. Jean Mm -hmm. from a life in court when God didn't have that in mind for her.
0: Wow. That's actually really a really cool point because we could just look at that and, and think, like, why in the world would they refuse, especially her mom who was a social climber? Right. But, yeah, you see, that's a God thing. That's an intervention. Right. It
1: was a God intervention. That's
0: a great point. I hadn't really thought about that. But, yeah, we see that, don't we? When we look at these lives, you see God's hand even when they wouldn't have probably realized that's what it was. So uh, one day— a missionary cousin passed through town for a visit, and Jean heard about him coming through. And for whatever reason, she didn't actually see him. She, I can't remember where she was at the time, but she came home and heard that this missionary had visited, this cousin of hers. And just hearing about his life of devotion to God, she was so convicted, and she determined to kind of cut off from the world and, and become a nun. But by now, at this point, like I said, she's getting into her teen years, and her dad is thinking more of the potential— of her as a bride on the market. And so he would not hear of it, which is unfortunate. He didn't wouldn't let her enter the convent. And so he shut that idea down. And then when she was 15, they moved to Paris. And she started getting a little bit sucked in more to just the decadent lifestyle there, the extravagance of uh, King Louis XIV's France. And just as a little remark on, on Louis XIV and his reign, because that's kind of the context that she's growing up in here. And it really affected really her entire life. So Louis the 14th was uh, called the Sun King. Um he was an absolute monarch, very powerful, and he famously said, and I'm going to totally botch the French, l'état c'est moi, which means I am the state. Basically, I am, you know, I my word is
1: law, you know, final law. Final. Yes, yeah. my
0: word is law. And so uh, but he also was a super decadent guy. And so uh, one biographer said it was without a doubt the most pleasure-loving, corrupt, dissolute as well as the most expensive and extravagant rule of any king in all of France's long existence. He almost bankrupted the nation with all his extravagance and worldliness. So Paris was just like, it was like Vegas, you know, woo, anything goes here. It was wild and extravagant and immoral, a lot of that going on. And so, you know, Jean, without a true relationship with Jesus, it's not surprising that she got kind of sucked into life in the fast lane there a little bit. And her dad continued to field a lot of suitors for her. He's looking for somebody wealthy, though. Yes. Because the fam was starting to struggle financially.
1: Right. And I think that there must have been a swing back from Jean into more spiritual things. Mm -hmm. And they were wanting to to... try to do an intervention. Yes. Because they did not want her to go into a nunnery. They did not want her life to be dedicated to Mm. uh, Jesus. They wanted to intervene.
0: Yes. She's pretty. We need to get her married. Yeah. Get her
1: married. And so they did, didn't they?
0: Yeah. Do you want me to
1: tell about that? Go for it, yes. Okay, so here she is, (laughs) 15 years old. They found a suitor that wanted to marry her. He was 22 years older than her. And do you have his name?
0: Uh, Jacques, Jacques Gouillon.
1: Yeah. And so so here in February 18th, 1664, Mm. she was tricked by her parents Mm. to sign the, the wedding or the marriage... Uh, what was it? The Articles, Articles of, marriage. of marriage. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so she was when she signed that she was unable to break that as much wow. as she would try. Once she had signed that and they tricked her into signing it, she was married and she had not met her fiance until three days before her wedding. That's crazy. And so she found herself in a very unhappy marriage. Yes. Because not only was her husband older than her, her mother in law. did not like Jean one bit. She was very controlling. (laughs) She persecuted her. She said all kinds of evil things against her, falsely Mm. accusing her, and said that she had an evil spirit. And even though they were aristocratic family, Mm -hmm. whenever they would have guests, she would just belittle Jean in front of the guests. And so as a result of this, Jean became very afraid
0: Oh, yeah. and as a
1: result of that, too, with the mother-in-law treating her this way and then her husband kind of being forced to choose sides and yes. sometimes choosing the side of his mother, mm. um, the servants also it was not a happy marriage.
0: Yes. I was reading about that, too, because he would go to his mom for like counsel advice or just to bounce decisions off right. instead of his wife. And so, I mean, it was just there was never any love there. And so it was just a, a really challenging marriage. And yeah, I mean, gosh, this lady, I guess she just I don't know if she was just jealous and wanted to stay. The lady of the house, and she had like a control thing very with control her son. Issue, yes. I mean, they just had a very unhealthy mother son relationship. It right, sounded like right. so very oh, it, just miserable. It was just kind of a hell on earth for her. It yeah. was so oppressive. And so, um, fortunately, I guess you could say, Jean had a son the following year in 1665 after they got married, and that actually brought a little bit of light into her dark, oppressive life. She now had you know somebody to pour into, and an a aunt. son,
1: an heir, yeah, which and is heir very as important. Well,
0: so that kind of you know. Maybe it was a little bit of a Band-Aid in the family dynamic. But overall, it didn't really improve. Um, and so in desperation, Jean starts turning back to God mm-hmm. and trying to be as religious as possible. And then she has a conversation. Uh, it just so happened she was, not, you know, I say that in quotes, <laughs> that uh, her cousin, the missionary cousin, was back in town. And Jean was uh, with her family at the time. She, I guess her dad was sick, so she had gone home happens to encounter this cousin and just starts talking and pouring out her heart about these struggles she's having and spiritual issues and all of that. And then around the same time, she has this uh, kind of really a providential encounter with this Franciscan monk, and she starts realizing what was missing in her life. Uh, Her biographer said, salvation through simple faith in Jesus Christ, not
1: by outward works. That was big. Yes. Because she tried all the outward works. As a result, she would be very discouraged, and then she would just lose heart and then be easily enticed away.
0: Yes, exactly. That roller coaster. Mm-hmm. She just was always on that. But now she's—I think this was probably the moment, even though she had some later struggles, I think this was the moment where she was really born again. And so that was July 22, 1668. She's 20 years old. And so uh, over the next couple years, she has uh, two more children, a boy and a girl— And just being a mom and also kind of living on a little bit of a spiritual mountaintop, it it kind of helped her cope with all the mistreatment of her mother-in-law and, uh, you know, just the difficult dynamic with her husband. And it was interesting. It even helped her, I think, to find his good qualities. I Mm -hmm. guess later in her autobiography, she would write about things that she did appreciate in him Mm -hmm. as she was able.
1: And vice versa, things he would appreciate about her.
0: Yeah. So there was a little bit of, I think, maturing and improvement Mm -hmm. in that area. And then in 1670, the family gets hit with smallpox, which was a pretty gnarly disease. A lot of people died from that, or you could be permanently disfigured. And sadly, their second son died. And uh, Madame Gouillon, she was at death's door herself, um, but she kind of embraced this as a means of of humbling her and keeping her from the world. And so after she recovered, she actually um, didn't treat the pockmarks that were left on her face um, because she didn't want to get vain again over her beauty. That was, I think she just knew, like, kind of a little bit of a crutch in her life. And she just felt like, okay, I'm going to just let that go.
1: Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. She really did not want to be a distraction. Mm-hmm. She did not want to be distracted either. Yeah. She didn't want others distracted about her, nor did she want to be distracted Very from him. Remarkable. From the Lord.
0: Yes. Yeah, because she's going deeper with the Lord at this point. So then in 1671, this guy who will be significant later, his name was Father Lacombe. And he became the spiritual advisor for the family. And during that same time, Madame Guyon, she was encouraged by another nun to sign a, a marriage covenant with the Lord, which is kind of interesting. Um, this is this really is one of those things that I can I guess, kind of leads us to label her as a mystic because the mystics always had this idea of oneness with God, mystic marriage. Yes, a union,
1: union with Christ.
0: Yes, union with Christ, that that kind Mm -hmm. of idea. And so, you know, this was something the nuns actually would sign when they entered a convent. I'm going to be married to the Lord. He's going to be my husband. And so she was entering into that as well, even though she wasn't a nun. And so then came another period of loss and struggle. In 1672, her dad, her three-year-old daughter, and her spiritual mentor, um, Sister Granger— uh, they all died. And this was when she went through another one of those little spells where she started to go into um, what we would call self-mortification. Yes. Kind of like what you're saying with the sewing the yes. cloth to your skin. And she
1: kind of got over that as she matured, yes. but Later she kind she would, of slipped yeah. back into it. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Maybe it's just the intensity of her personality Maybe, or and,
1: just treating the pain sometimes mm, you treat the pain by a, causing pain
0: mm, boy isn't that true that's a great perspective and so she just felt like yeah mm-hmm. i you know i need to do penance I, I need to try to reignite something in my relationship with the lord here because she was grieving mm-hmm. you know and and so yeah through the grief This was, I guess, her way of dealing with it, and Mm -hmm. so she was doing extreme fasting again, self scourging, where she would kind of beat herself. Um, She would wear horsehair, a horsehair garment, with and and a girdle with nails in it, so it would poke into her skin. Oh my! Just bizarre, extreme stuff. You know, again, this
1: is just this is a woman in terrible pain.
0: Yes, yeah, really struggling. She's gone through a lot. You know, I mean, losing her child. I mean, so many other things over the years just accumulated here. I think. And I, and it's true, kind of like what Kathy was saying, later, you know, if you read her writings later in life, she expressly denounces this, this mm-hmm. um, self-mortification. Um, you know, she talks about suffering and that the Lord will walk us through suffering, right. but we're not supposed to bring it on ourselves. Exactly. So she came to understand later that this was not—
1: not the will of God. Yes, And this exactly. is didn't, it certainly didn't earn his pleasure or his favor yes, by doing this.
0: exactly. But that was something that a lot of, you know, in the Catholic tradition, that was a common thing. It, Teresa of Avila struggled with some of that, too. She mm-hmm. could go down that road a little bit herself.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's Especially the mystics. You yes. know, they would be It was a temptation to them.
0: It totally was. They thought that was more uniting with Christ. Right. So that all happens. She comes out of that period, fortunately, and then her husband dies. In July of 1676, when she's only 28, and Madame uh, Guyon took her three surviving children. Uh, They had had, I think, five children total, right? Mm -hmm. They had five children,
1: and two died of the smallpox. Okay, right, okay.
0: And so the three uh, other kids, uh, she moved into her own home with them and uh, was seeking the Lord's guidance on what to do next. And like I said, she kind of matured out of that strange phase she was in. Uh, And then at that point, she felt like she should get launched,
1: I think, into the next phase even going back, she was only married 13 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they that's right, had yeah. money.
0: Mm-hmm. And so she
1: became, she was a very rich widow. Yes. And I think that with that money and with Lacombe. Yeah. Um, he's going to come to no, in. No, it's a, it, uh, Francois Lacombe. What was yeah. his father? Or father, was he a something priest? like that. Yeah. He, a he became, he, he continued to be her advisor. And I think they had a plan of what to do with that money.
0: Yes, they sure did. Should
1: I say something
0: about that? Go for it. Okay. We'll just, yeah, why not? Well, uh, <laughs>
1: she chose not to live a lavish lifestyle. She put money away in trust for their children. Yes. She put some money away in trust for herself to just to cover her expenses. And they took the rest of the money and used it to open a hospital, to minister and feed the poor, mm-hmm. to um, – I think there is a one talking about um, – she saw that books were published, so that people would learn how to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that was yeah, the immediate. We'll that, that, that was sure. that happened later. Yeah, but I but think that's that, going to that, be a big thing. And too. I think, and I don't know how this happened. And maybe you have this that she helped the education of girls and to improve the lives of women. Mm-hmm. I don't know what how that played out, other than that was what she was known for. Oh, with I that think money. I will
0: circle back to that yeah. eventually. Yeah, there's, but yeah, you see, yeah, she's
1: just choosing to. Yeah, she's m- choosing to give to give her it. life away. Yes. for the Lord and for His glory.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. And there were a few different locations that this happened in. Uh, initially, this is kind of funny because in 1680, she felt like the Lord was calling her to Geneva. And if you know yes. anything about church history, <laughs> Geneva would be the last place a Catholic person would want to go because that was where John Calvin That had his is Protestant
1: territory. Yes, it
0: totally is. And yeah, this is 100 years later, but man, it's total Protestant territory. Right. So she's thinking like, that cannot be God. I'm not going where Calvin was. Ew. <laughs> Um, And yet the bishop of Geneva of that region approved her coming to start a ministry there. She just felt like, well, God's calling me to go. I guess I'll just talk to the bishop there. And he said, well, gosh, if you want to come and serve the poor here, yeah. So she actually ended up in a town about 12 miles away from Geneva called Gex. I don't know. They probably pronounced it better than that in French. It probably sounds prettier. But that was where she and Father Lacombe really started to minister. And then, like you said, they went out from there uh, and really just— Used all of those resources for the glory of God. It was really cool. Um, the only problem, though, I mean, this was all wonderful, and the bishop was happy about this. But the problem was that Madame Guyon, now that she was really in a full like relationship with Jesus and understood uh, the gospel and salvation by faith um, alone, through grace alone, alone, yes,
1: which is no unheard of, exactly in the circles in the church that she, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. That was unheard of in in that time period in the Catholic Church. And so uh, (laughs) but she had had this revelation. And so she felt compelled to share what God had shown her. I mean, she had spent so much time in prayer and meditation, as we know, in that intensity that she had. And I love this, too, because initially her intensity led her into works. But I think this just goes to show that God can reach anyone who's sincerely seeking him. right? Right. If you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so here she is, maybe going off into works and on a strange path, but the Lord totally had redirected her.
1: Isn't that the work it's, of grace? It is. That's what the work of grace draws us closer and and kind of trains us.
0: Yes, exactly. And re yeah, kind of realigns us mm-hmm. to what, what the heart of God is. And so she came to recognize that justification—those big words, right? Sanctification—that it was all found in the saving work of Jesus, not yes. in wearing a horsehair garment right. and beating myself up and fasting um but you know that it came through the work of Jesus Christ and that God would give his holy spirit to anyone who was born again and, and he
1: gave his holy spirit oh, to her oh my goodness yeah. she was, operated in the gifts and the fruits of the spirit and she alarmed some people i don't know if you're ready to get into that but she was
0: we're going to oh yeah we're we going to go there will. aren't we Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. She really started to freak people out with some of this because she's teaching death to self in order to become, uh, you know, swallowed up in God's love, depended on him for grace, mercy, and blessing. Again, that's that oneness with God that's very typical of the mystics, but it was all dependent on the grace of God. Mm -hmm. And uh, she advocated for this practice known as quietism. And um, this was something other mystics had taught on and stuff like that. Uh, One I don't know, definition of this that I read was that it's the state of human inactivity while in fellowship with God when praying, reading, and meditating on the scriptures. You know, kind of entering into really just a quiet heart. Be still and know Mm -hmm. that I am God Mm -hmm. so that he can have his way, like a full surrender. Mm -hmm. Like a ceasing
1: from their own works. Yes. Like resting in Jesus.
0: Yes, exactly. And this was, like you were saying, Kath, and I think we'll probably end up getting into that in the next episode, but this is gonna, this sounds to us like... Cool. Yeah,
1: right yeah. on. I mean, that's right Christianity on. 101, isn't yes.
0: it? Yes. <laughs> but the church in that day was not going to look at it that way. No. And I mean, she was doing other things, too, kind of like what Kathy mentioned. She had started um, promoting, like she said, um, you know, education for girls and advocating for literacy for just common people yes. more and more so that everybody could read the Bible for themselves. right? Um, she also—it's kind of interesting because Father Lacombe loved her and um, liked working with her— but it took him a little while to really come into his own experience of the grace of God and realize salvation was by faith. But eventually, she kind of won him to Christ
1: <laughs> Exactly. during
0: this time. And so um, even though you know she was a devout Catholic herself, her teaching was a bridge too far for the clergy. And they were starting to see what they saw as uh, Lutheran, red flags all over yes. the place. This looked too much like the Reformation. So we're going to see in our next episode where this would really cause a lot of a lot of pushback.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: She was gonna come under a lot of fire for something that, like Kathy said, was Christianity 101. It was basic to us. It mm-hmm. seems basic, but whoa to the well, church. Who would day? have a problem with that? Yeah. How could
1: anybody have a problem with being uh united with Jesus and yeah. and by grace alone, yes, by faith alone? By faith
0: alone. We're gonna see some people did. So we're gonna have to pause here and leave you hanging, wondering what's gonna happen next with Madame Guillaume. But uh before we wrap up, just quickly we wanna Thank you for joining us and encourage you, if you know of a woman that you think we should know about, whether it's uh, somebody you've read about or somebody you personally know, we would invite you to connect with us. Please email us. Our email address is www.cccm.com. You can also find us on the women.cccm.com website or the Gracious Words website, which is cheryl's page <laughs> and connect with us there we'd love to hear from you even just feedback on the podcast please like us on whatever venue um platform that you listen to this program and so uh with that we're gonna put it on pause here
1: but part Kathy's two is coming be yes Kathy part be two is coming us. and it's so exciting <laughs> it's so good
0: you are not going to want to miss it so thanks for joining us and we'll be back again next time bye bye Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends.